Eating is such a vivid experience, and eating with others is pretty intimate. We use all five senses, sight, smell, touch, taste, and sound. All five. (laughs) What else do you use all five senses for? So when we have an experience that surrounds a meal, it only heightens the memory. As Marcel Proust wrote, I feel something start within me, something that leaves its resting place and attempts to rise, something that has been embedded like an anchor at a great depth. I do not know yet what it is, but I can feel it mounting slowly. I can measure the resistance. I can hear the echo of the great spaces traversed. Will it ultimately reach the clear surface of my consciousness? This memory, this old dead moment, which the magnetism of an identical moment has traveled so far to importune, to disturb, to raise up out of the very depths of my being? I cannot tell. Now I feel nothing. It has stopped and perhaps sunk back into its darkness from which who can say whether it will ever rise again? Ten times over I must essay the task, must lean down over the abyss, and each time the cowardice that deters us from every difficult task, every important enterprise, has urged me to leave this thing alone, to drink my tea, and to think merely of the worries of today and my hopes for tomorrow, which can be brooded over painlessly. And suddenly, the memory revealed itself. I'm Rosie Tran, and you're listening to Taste of Regret. You know, on the show, we talk about food in a very special way. It's it's not technical. It's not about the ingredients. It's it's really the emotion that comes with a dish. And when I have a bad day and I come home from work, all I really want to eat is the stewed pork my mom makes. And I sit down at the table and I can feel the warmth of the rice in the bowl and the click of the chopsticks. And then I just like fish out a piece of pork. And it's really, once I put that into my mouth, I feel like, okay, everything's going to be okay. And so joining us today and sharing his story with us is my dear friend, Gary. Hello, I'm Gary Holm. I'm 41 years old. And I uh, am in the technology IT world. I have an IT consulting business in Los Angeles. Very exciting. Yes, it's groundbreaking. (laughs) Changing lives. Um, So I met you, I feel like the late 2000s. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. I was working on um, Robot Chicken as a puppet coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that seems like the right time frame. I'm always so bad with spatial time Me too. connections. I'm like the other day, and yeah. it's like four years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, the other day. Yeah. So I met you the other day. Yeah, close enough. Where'd you grow up, Gary? I am from the Northern California, the Bay Area up there, from uh, Sunnyvale, which is a suburb of San Jose. Mm-hmm. Uh, jumped around a lot in that general area, but primarily right there, all their South Bay. Mm-hmm. And how large is your family? Um, immediate family. I have one younger brother, Brian, who's two and a half years younger. And we have a half brother, Thomas, who's 23. Uh, and then, uh, 
growing up, we had my stepdad, Ray, and he has two daughters. He had some stepdaughters as well that were older, but two that we grew up with. So there was six of us in the house growing up. That's like the Brady Bunch. Yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> like like the Brady Bunch in apartments. Yeah. And so how did um, food play a role in your upbringing? I mean, I think, you know, we, we have to eat so we don't die. So there's that <laughs> <laughs> um, on a very basic level. Yeah. Um, food is is always there, whether it was, you know, Christmas dinner and Gramps' prime rib or, you know, which is the best. And um, um, sorry, my mouth started watering. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, my mom would cook. You know, she was, uh, my stepdad Ray worked two jobs growing up to, to help. My mom worked full time as well. So, uh, you know, Ray wasn't able to cook, you know, so the weekends here and there, some stuff, but my mom was the cooker, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, she though, you know, it was working full time, you know, shuttling us to and from school and right. still having to Cook those meals. Yeah. Yeah. It was Yikes. A lot of work. And it was not just my brother and I, it was my brother and I and some stepsisters and my stepdad. So, you know, it was it was a project. Yeah. yeah. Do you cook at all? I do. Yeah. 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 I loved I love to grill. Uh um, but additionally I'll cook stuff in the oven or on the stovetop. I pretty I'm a, a multi uh cuisinal cooker. <laughs> That's technical, right? Yeah. I feel like men Take over the grill. That's yeah. their domain. It's like, I will go out and barbecue. My husband doesn't cook that much. But he sees me out there. He's like, oh, I'm up. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's the controlling the fire, I think, is what it is, right? <laughs> like caveman stuff. Like fire, <laughs> us, you know. Bruh. Yeah, sorry. It's not, you know. No. But yeah, that's. That's okay. That's Controlled fire. You like it. I like to know that, you know, I like fire. So did you eat anything that you like growing up? Yeah, I think I've always enjoyed eating in varying forms and stuff like that. I was, you know, I was a I was a big kid, um, and also a big kid for most of my a lot of my adult life as well. Um, so food was was part of that, you know. And so we ate. I threw, I'd say three, well, three quarters of my life didn't make the best food choices necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, not that, you know, anyone necessarily does, but yeah, you know, food, food is life, you yeah, know? Absolutely. What do you mean? Not the best food choices? Especially, I, well, as an, as an adult, when I started feeding myself, um, definitely did a lot more fast food than should have. I think we all did. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I, I pushed it, I would say, you know, um, you know, I, uh, I mean, yeah, the listeners at home can't tell, but I used to be 400 pounds. I'm no longer 400 pounds. Um, about nine years ago, I decided to, uh, start eating right and exercising. Good for you. And I lost half of that. So I'm, uh, on the, the 200 side, not the 400 side now, which is, uh, uh, it's incredible. It's, it's, I mean, I've added decades to my life, I think, yeah. you know, which Absolutely. is huge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was so, so my relationship with food has changed over the years. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's obviously much better and, yeah. you know, fast food doesn't really taste, I mean, yeah. it satiates, but it doesn't taste good. Yeah. 
Yeah. If you don't have it for a while, it's kind of like, ew, that's gross. Oh, when I when I was like in the heat of it, losing the weight and hadn't eaten anything fried in two years, maybe. Wow. And I went for a hike with my friend Dan and um, a couple other people, but uh, we hiked a lot and I need to start hiking again. Anyway, um, went hiking with my buddy Dan and we were starving after the hike. It was somewhere out in Malibu and we stopped at like Malibu fish, I forget the name of the place, one of those shack kind of places. Real in or something. Yeah, something like that. And I got some fish tacos and they came and they were fried. And I hadn't eaten a fried food in two years. And I was starving. And I ate them and they tasted good, but my stomach hurt so bad after that. Um, I've since trained it to to have some fried food here and there as needed. Yes, um, as needed. Yes, but yes. no longer on the uh, <laughs> the multi-day, you know, multi-times a day going yeah. to a fast food place. Yeah. Um, you said your relationship with food changed. How so? It was more in the choices of food than it was food itself. You know, I'll still stuff myself, you know, at times, but it's just I'm not stuffing myself with double-doubles from in and out. I'm mm-hmm. doing it with little too much hummus or you know carrot sticks, <laughs> carrot sticks. yeah too, too much of a good thing is okay when yeah. too much of a bad thing was 400 pound gary yeah <laughs> you know no um did you did you just wake up i mean how did that change come about yeah it, it, people have asked me oh did you have like did you have a heart attack scare or and, and for me it's weird because i don't have that like moment of like a, the light bulb going off. Right. Um, I think the same stubbornness that kept me a big guy is what helped me lose the weight. But also I do know that, you know, I'd have, when you're a 400 pound guy, your friends, if you have good friends, which luckily I have many, many good friends. I love you all. <laughs> um, they would say, look, we love you, Gary. You want you to lose weight. Right. And, and I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> right. Ask my wife. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a flaw, but, um, because of that, I know that I specifically probably waited an extra three or four months to start losing weight because I didn't want it to be anyone's idea but yeah. mine. Like I didn't want somebody to, in my head, I was like, no, I don't want that person to go, oh, I said something. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. There, I, I, um, luckily, it only took a few months for me to get over that because I could start my journey. <laughs> um, but it definitely was a contributing factor. You know, and then I find, but you know, I knew in reality it was something I had to do right. and I can be... F- sometimes fairly logical. I was like, look, I, diabetes is in my family. Heart disease is in my family. And I don't want to have that problem. Yeah. And luckily for me, I was successful in what I did and I've, you know, kept it off now. It was, it was what, January of 2011, 2010, January 2010. I, I, the time blurs again, I'm not good with time as we said earlier. But it was, you know, like I said, nine years ago. Um, and when I did it, I wanted something to be sort of a check on me. So I decided to blog about it. Good for you. Um, like do a video blog and a text blog to kind of sort of keep people into it and just sort of keep me accountable. And I realized that it's always good to have a shtick, you know, with a blog to get people to watch. And I'd always wanted to go skydiving. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you can't go skydiving when you're 400 pounds. There's apparently there's limits to what a parachute can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there is a parachute that will hold somebody that's 400 pounds, right. but like general skydiving companies don't want right. to do that. That liability. So yeah. that became kind of the goal of my blog. It's called the flying fat guy. 
and it was to get to the point where I could jump out of an airplane. Um, and so on my 33rd birthday, um, which, yeah, so that I'm 41 now, so eight plus years ago, um, we jumped out of airplane, me and a bunch of friends and, uh, Jeff Glore, the anchor of what was at the time, the CBS early show. Now he's on like the CBS evening, evening news. Uh, he had heard about my story. Well, his producer had from a friend, my friend Morgan in New York. And she said, oh yeah, I'm going to Vegas in a month to go jump out of an airplane with my friend and kind of told the story to dinner. And the producer was like, wait, tell me more about this. And then they, the early show decided to tell my story. So they came and, you know, filmed it all and. It was a trip to kind of, it was a good culmination of everything. And then, yeah. you know, since then it's been maintaining, Yeah, you know. But it was, I'm sure it's not like, um, you know, in movies that you watch, it's like a montage, three things. And then at the end you open a door and somebody comes out and they're real thin. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't, you know, Richard Gere wasn't throwing me clothes in Pretty Woman. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it didn't, it, but it did happen. Rel- I mean, I was lucky that because I was so focused on doing it and I didn't starve myself. I didn't do anything sort of really bad, but I was just stubborn and, uh, focused to do it. I, you know, had pretty good success, but yeah, there was, it it was a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you, do are there things that you just don't eat anymore aside from fried foods? I mean, now you can have it occasionally, but is there anything like that? Well, so for me, I wasn't a big sweets person. It was definitely savory for me. It was the, Mm -hmm. I realized it was the heavy calorie dense, calorie heavy stuff. So it was the cheeses, the butters, um, the sugars, some sugar, but again, it was not so much sugar, but yeah. Um, and so it was really, and I said this in my blog the whole time, what I did was very simple, but not easy. So, you know, it was, I, I could still go to Subway, um, and get a sandwich, but I would just not get cheese and mayo, mm-hmm. you know, and just sort of changing those little habits. And again, that's the relationship to food thing, changing mm. those things is what just the math of calories in, calories out for me was. And, you know, exercise was important too. But for me, the I, the biggest part of the weight loss was from the diet side of things, the food. And again, I didn't go on like a special diet. I just right. changed what I did with food. But even just those tiny changes, it adds up to something huge. Absolutely. Yeah. And people Absolutely. don't think about that sometimes. Like it's all the little things that add up. I always say this at work, it's, or, or to a bunch of artists, it's, the little goals that add up to the big goal. Yeah. yeah. Don't think of the big goal. And then you get, you, you, you choke yourself up and you're worried about, I can't accomplish this and I can't do that. I was like, let's break it up into little chunks and then yeah. you can achieve the big goal. Absolutely. It's, it's baby steps. Yeah. It's, it's like, and what about Bob? You know, <laughs> you know, um, and how long did that whole metamorphosis take you? I mean, the crazy thing is, is it did go fast. So I started in January of, whatever year it was, can't do the math now, I could reverse engineer it, but nobody's interested. It was January of one year. Um, By the time I went skydiving, so basically the first year, I lost 150 pounds, which is kind of crazy. That's, 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 I weigh 100, I went to the doctor yesterday, I weigh 110 pounds. That's, you, if you want to get weighed, you could just get a scale. You don't have to go to the doctor to get weighed. I'm just, just a, just a I hint. Know, I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, but, yeah. uh, what was I oh yeah. So, but yeah, I lost 150 pounds in the first year. And then the second year took to lose the, you know, the next 50. And then the last seven I've put on maybe 15. So, you know, but you know, it's fine. I, you know, I got married to a lovely, lovely woman and I'm 
You get married and then you put on weight. Yeah, you're a little squishy. I was, I'm normally a hundred pounds. Yeah. There you go. So I was like, I I got off the scale yesterday. I'm like, where did this come from? It's my cell phone. It's been my pocket. Wait, weigh me again. And the doctor's like, no, let's go. We got (laughs) it. You're good. We got this. It's written down in your chart. Um, What was the hardest thing you had to overcome? I, I realized I would do a lot of sort of small and stupid excuses in my own head. Um, like, I guess like more barriers or speed bumps that just didn't make sense. It was like, well, why would I, I don't want to go to the gym cause then I have to shower twice in the day or I don't want to, like I said, go to subway and get a sandwich because the drive through is so much faster. And it's like, no dummy, <laughs> you know, you, it's, you have the five minutes in your day to go stop somewhere, get something, go to Ralph's to the sandwich counter or whatever it may be. For me, it was really about realizing I just needed to overcome those little excuses I would make up for myself. Mm -hmm. And once I did that, that was sort of the big hurdle, you know, and, and again, having success. If I didn't, if, if I plateaued and didn't lose weight for four months, I don't know how that would have affected me. I was very, very, very lucky to have not had that problem. Yeah. Um, do you think people treat you differently now? Absolutely. Yeah. I, and also I think it's, I am perceived differently. It's something I realized, you know, when I was a 400 pound guy, I, you know, gave my friends a lot of, uh, uh, you know, talked a lot of, I don't know if I can say shit on this. Yeah. yeah, I talked a lot, you know, but it just sort of, that's how I was, you know, the, you know, the guy was a big guy. So even growing up, you know, you, I turned to comedy or to, you know, being funny as a defense mechanism. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I started losing weight, you know, I realized that as I could make jokes about friends that I had, you know, when I was 400 pounds, I weighed more, you know, weighed more than like, Oh, you're fat. You know, kind of like on the side, as soon as I, they weighed more than me or something, all of a sudden I realized, no, wait, I'm an asshole. <laughs> you know, I went, Oh, I can't say the same things. Cause weight is seen whether it's consciously or not by people as a handicap. So I realized that a lot of the things that I could do or say, they weren't, I wasn't, you know, beating up babies, but right. you know, you just, things are forgiven right? and it's subconscious, but people forgive it because like, Oh, it's just the big guy, you know, it's just him. And it's, it's they, just they the way it he funny. Is. Yeah. yeah. And they don't, but they don't even, they don't take offense to it even. It's just subconsciously forgiven. So I realized I didn't have to change who I was. I just had to modulate who I was. So that's a change. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> just tweaked it tweaked a little it. bit. Um, Going back to you being a kid, and you're saying that this was the majority of your life, when did you first kind of notice the weight? I I mean, I knew I was a chubby kid, you know. You see other kids that aren't, you know. Um, and my mom was was great in that she, she I, I remember going, what you know, some nutrition classes. She didn't push trying to be healthy on me. She just wanted me to be aware. Mm-hmm. Um and there were definitely healthy choices in the house. Right. I just chose not to go that way. Right. Which I also did later in life too. But, um, you know, um, I'm sure that we could have made generally healthier choices, I guess. Right. You know, we all could have. We all could have, yeah. you know. Um, but my mom definitely 
wanted me to understand how to make the healthy choices. So that that helped when I got to the point to do it because I'm like, well, I know how to do it. Right. <laughs> you know, it's but just, it's like you have it's like you have to want to do it. Yeah. Because it's it's such a big change in your life. It's not just like this diet that's six months and then okay, I can go back to it now. It's like it's a change for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. you have to be conscious of this for the rest of your life. And so you have to want to do it. Not me. Right. You do. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, like, and I did, uh, like in 2001, I did Atkins, which is now what people call keto, which right. I think people aren't going to like me for this, but I think it's stupid. But I, I think it's not healthy. I think it's not good it's for you. It's just not healthy. Yeah. But when I did it in 2001, like I was going to Carl's Jr. still and getting a, you know, double Western bacon cheeseburger, just wasn't eating the bun. Yeah. And I lost, I think I lost 50 pounds at that point, And, mm-hmm. I, you know, it was a great thing. But as soon as I went back to having the bun there and, you know, didn't fix any habits was still, I put it all in more and way more back on. So you got to, you mean, you got to do something that's long-term, that's healthy and that is just achievable. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that was sort of what I came to realize. Did you have a favorite thing that your mom made when you were a kid? Yeah. Uh, her, she, she, uh, her, her goulash, or I've learned it's pronounced goulash when mm-hmm. I went to Hungary recently, or not, well, not recently, well, recently and previously, <laughs> made, uh, some friends, we've got some Hungarian mafia homies and, uh, not like literally mafia there. You we call it. them. You said it, mafia. Well, well, we'd call them the Hungarian mafia because there's a bunch of them and they, uh, they don't do crimes as far as I know. Um, but no, but, uh, so we went and visited, uh, the sister of one of our good friends, Mickey, who now lives back in Hungary, but lived here at the time. Mickey's a mafia name. It seems like it. Mickey's probably the least mafia. Sorry, Mickey, if you listen to this. I love him to death. He's not very mafia, though. Um, He would probably think he is, though, so he's probably taking offense to this. But um, we went there and had some actual Hungarian goulash, and I had goulash, and I hadn't had it in... Yeah, it's it's that's like... I don't know if it's the origins are all in Hungary, but they're kind of known for it. I feel like it is because I feel like it's Hungarian goulash. Yeah, yeah. I think that it is, but yeah, they the print again. It's goulash, or I'm probably still hacking it up. But having it there I was like, and I hadn't had it since I don't know, since I was 12 or something when my mom had my mom last made it. I think she still does, but and just that kind of gave me sort of flashbacks of you know her cooking it in the. I remember the apartment we lived in at the time in Mountain View, California. It was the same apartment we were in when the 1989 earthquake hit. Oh wow. Um, which is also a very vivid memory, but yeah, I can picture the, 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 the walk that she cooked it in and it's sort of sitting on the edge of the counter and then the window that led to the street. And I just, you know, I don't have a specific day of having it, just the times when she'd make it and right. walk in and smell it and know it was goulash day. Do you get to see your mom often? Yeah, she's uh, the, my mom and stepdad are still up in the Bay Area. Oh, that's nice. They're, uh, she, my stepdad's retired, um, and she works for UC Santa Cruz, manages some of their laboratories there. She used to work at Stanford, and so did my stepdad. Um, and yeah, so they're up in like the Santa Cruz Mountains up in Felton, nice. living up with all the hill people. But it's not really hill people anymore. Because, They're fancy hill people. Well, it's because nobody can afford to live in yep. anywhere up there. So they spend way too much to live up in the hills. And so uh, it's beautiful up there. It's just, you know, yeah, woods. Woods. Yeah. When did you move out? I moved to Los Angeles 
January 1st of 1999. That you remember. New Year's Day. I um, I was just almost 21. I wasn't 21 yet. Um, the night before I left, I rented a hotel room at the Cupertino Inn uh, and had like a New Year's party, go away, going away party for myself. Drank way too much. Uh, the next morning I was very hungover and my mom, Ray, Ray, my stepdad and I were driving to LA. Mm -hmm. They were in the U-Haul. I was in my, um, so my stepmom, Marissa had, her friend had an old truck on a farm because I needed a vehicle because I was selling my old one and trying to make some money. So my buddy Stefan and I went to this old farm, like on a TV show, <laughs> and he brought some gasoline and we poured it in the carburetor and got this 1966 GMC truck started like a week before I was leaving for LA. So I was driving this and it was burned oil and was smoking and the brakes were bad. But I, I distinctly remember driving on F Highway 5 and at a certain point I got really tired and kind of like nodded off and <laughs> swerved a little. And then we stopped for gas re relatively soon after that. And I remember my mom was like, what happened? Why are we swerving? I was like, oh, I just got bored. I was swerving around, but I was falling asleep. Mom, sorry, but <laughs> luckily I made it. But yeah, so that was, uh, I moved out then. I mean, we moved around. We were They were living in San Jose at the time in a condo, so I was living there. But yeah, I moved out, came down here not knowing a soul, and uh, it's been 20 years. Look at this life you made for yourself. I made a pretty great life. Yeah. Yeah. You got friends, you got a wife, you got a yeah. dog. Yeah. yeah. Me. Everything. <laughs> I got it all. You got it it's all. It's all clicked. <laughs> Um, so that was the last time in the 90s that you had this goulash, your mama's goulash. Yeah, some point in the 90s. I feel, I, I don't remember having it as a teen, like a later teen, like, but I know my mom still makes it today. So I feel like I must have, but I don't remember having it outside of that apartment in Mount View. Interesting. Yeah, even if you go back now, she won't make it for you. I mean, she would if I asked. Yeah. She probably just thinks I'm not interested. But now she'll probably just, that's the only thing she's ever going to make now. After Send, this, you know, FedEx, you know, Tupperware of it, frozen, down. dry, packed yeah. in dry ice. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's just a couple hours. Yeah. Um. Well, I made you that goulash today. Ooh. <laughs> um. So I'm gonna go heat it up, and I'll bring it out to you. Stoked. <laughs> Ooh. So whenever you're ready. I've uh, got a. You've got a lovely. Um, is it the what's the thing like a French metal oh, cover thing? Those are called a cloche, but this is just a cake dome. Yeah, I was <laughs> selling it for TV, but yeah. Ooh, ooh sorry. No, sorry. it's okay. Whoa. Yeah, that's uh, that looks about right. That's uh, mmm. Yeah, it smells good. Yeah, the, the the thing I distinctly remember, which you did here, is the. My mom for the meat would use spam. So little chunks of spam in there. And I um, didn't quite appreciate spam like I do now. Mm, spam is so good. Spam is amazing. Um, spam masubi mm. is one of my favorite things in the world, which is a lovely Hawaiian Pacific Islands uh, dish. Uh, well, it's really just a hand food. But yeah, this uh, this is a very familiar smell. Yeah. Does it remind you of that apartment? It does. It reminds me of... Uh, 2272 Latham is the, was the street, wow. the number in the street. I don't know why that's always stuck with me, but it did. Yeah. That was, uh, I don't remember the years we were there. Well, clearly, if we were there during the, the 89 earthquake, I was 11 at that point. So somewhere in the 
preteen. I think we moved for sixth grade. I don't somewhere in there, but yeah, this is that. This is bring me bring me home right here. <laughs> so what what do I do? I take a bite or whatever you want to take a bite. My mouth is watering. <laughs> um, those like the bell peppers and the corn. It's uh. All right, here we go. Yeah. It's a very familiar taste as well. The taste and the smell are, as they should, they go hand in hand, you know. Um, yeah, it's on some rice, which is always great, and the rice is great too. And Yeah, it's just like the, the right amount of salt from that Spam. And there's some tomato sauce in there too. And does it remind you of anything aside from the apartment? I think just generally childhood, you know, growing up and we didn't, she didn't necessarily cook it when we went camping. So it's not really an easy thing to cook camping, but it makes me think of mom, you know, cooking and us grilling dogs camping too, just sort of all the childhood eating and adventuring. Yeah. Just well, being a kid with your family. Yeah. 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 Does your brother have a fond memory of that as well? That's a good question. I have to ask him about that next time we talk because I, I, I bet he does, you know. Um, it was just, you know, it's a, it's an easy dish to prepare for a big family too because right. you can make it. You know, we didn't really ever, She didn't. I don't think she crock-potted much. She probably does now. But back then it was just, you know, you throw everything in there and let it cook and do whatever else you have to do to get the house settled, you know? Right. So, but it also, what makes me think of is it's not really an unhealthy dish either, you know? Right. Spam is spam, but it's just a mystery meat. It's just protein really and salt. So yeah, it's just veggies and, and meat and some rice. It's, you know, right. Pretty, pretty, pretty basic, pretty healthy. Yeah. 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 I, I ain't complaining. I don't feel bad eating this right now. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, there's going to be plenty for you to take home. You get to leave with the container. That's pretty good news. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, that's a win right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always think back to like dishes of my childhood and my mom always asked me, my mom and my dad always asked me on my birthday, like, what do you want to eat? And I'm always like, I don't know. And I just ask for this I love the stewed pork that my mom makes mm -hmm. and she makes it with like this coconut soda from like Puerto Rico. <laughs> I'm like, how did you get whatever? Don't ask. And then, uh, and then, um, she has to cook it for like three hours in like this wow. clay pot. It's so good. It's my favorite thing. And in the summertime you dip in watermelon and in the wintertime you dip in cucumbers because, huh. or whatever vegetables around Yeah, or mangoes or pickles. And then you just eat it with rice. Wow. It's like nice. talking about it makes my mouth water, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. like every time I eat that, it's just like, I'm like, okay, that's it. Yeah. That's yeah. home. It reminds yeah. me of my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same, same thing here. Just, it's generally childhood is what this makes me think of. Yeah. And heartiness and goodness and tastiness. And, and you had a fun childhood. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think so. My brother and I fought a bit. We still do. It's normal. I always think I'm right. Because you are. Because I am, because I'm older, but I'm not. But, you know, that's, that's how it goes. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me share my story with you. <laughs> Until next time. 
You always hear people talking about the soundtrack of their youth, but the food of of their youth rarely comes into play. Actually, the menu of my youth doesn't sound too cool. What is the taste of your youth? Is it hot dogs laced with Twin Pops and Cheetos? Or is it the stewed pork in a warm bowl of rice in the summer after a swim in the plastic pool? In Gary's case, it's spam goulash over rice in the apartment he lived in. Whoever thought that we would be in this part of our life looking back at our childhood, remembering all those wonderful times? If you have something from your childhood that you want to share, send an email to hello at tasteofregret.com. I'd love to hear from you.